welcome back to an episode of How to Be a Texan. How you doing, Kevin? Good, man. Very relaxed. Very relaxing, very kind of calm and farm-like. <laughs> what is that noise back there? Those are my new baby chicks. Well, congratulations. <laughs> so cute. They are cute. They really they are. They are cute. They are. Kendra brought them home this week from the little farm store up the road. And how come y'all didn't get 36? Uh, we thought we'd try 12. All right. See how that goes. Right. Farm yeah. store? I think they call it a feed store. Uh, it is technically called DNL Farm and Home. Oh yeah! Shout out to DNL. Shout out I'm to sorry. Rex Junior. Not a not a sponsor. <laughs> not, <laughs> not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. But a good guy, Rex uh, Sanders Junior. He owns that thing. <clears throat> Great guy. Hey, uh, today we're going to talk about something uh, that's kind of a sexy topic. So you ready to talk about something sexy today, Kevin? Baby chicks. <laughs> <laughs> no. I thought that was pretty sexy. <laughs> no, actually, it's just cute. They're just cute. <laughs> so, but this one today, we'll talk about sustainability. So, when when that word comes out, Kevin and we got Andrew on too. He's actually yep. got a, he's all mic'd up. How you doing, Andrew? Uh, all right. So, <laughs> so what do you think about on uh, when somebody says sustainability? Uh, what do you, what do you think about when you hear that term? I think about trying to live in a more sustainable way. Yeah. That's why the baby chicks kind of ties into it. Right. Right. Because we, uh, you know, by doing that, we have, we've had several flocks. You've had flocks of chickens too. You yeah. still got some. Yeah. Still and a just, flock of seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. But yeah, no. But it, just the idea of being <clears throat> able to do more with your own property, not have right. to rely on, you know, having eggs shipped across the country on with, using diesel fuel if you can have your own eggs. Right. You know, it's great. Oh so, my gosh. People growing love. your own food, you know. Yeah. And people love your eggs, don't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. They're so much better. They are. They're so much better. They're it's so incredible. Good. Well, to, so we thought we'd uh, talk about sustainability today. And so how does that relate to being a Texan? Um, I, I think it, it relates to being a citizen of the world, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. and not to be overly cheesy. But, uh, you know, sustainability is a, is a very hot topic right now, and I think it's deservedly so. You know, we've got all this climate change going on mm-hmm. and we have you know the all the carbon uh, footprint you know talk that we have today and and uh in texas you know you don't think of texas being a real um sustainable uh state or area in the u.s and so kevin has brought up a study and we'll we'll talk through that about kind of where where texas ranks but um i will say that it's uh it's kind of on the rise um there's a lot of folks uh, like Kevin and I who want to, to do more uh, with our little mini ranches, uh, with gardening, with chickens and things of that nature. And then there are people that go way, way further than that. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But then um, there, there's a lot of people in the business world that, that do very, very well with all these sustainable, um, you know, really career paths. And, and in that, I think we can circle back on that with all the energy production that's not fossil fuel based mm-hmm. with the products that we build our buildings with, with just some of the kind of the lifestyle principles of how we try to preserve, you know, energy mm-hmm. versus just burning diesel fuel or, or, mm-hmm. or air conditioning all the time. So, yep. I mean, those are some of the things that I think we'll talk about today. I hope, hope it's interesting. And it is to me. Um, but why don't we get into that study just a little bit? Well, I think the study is interesting because it ranks Texas so low on the list of 
right. you know, the 50 states, right? And this is a study that was done by Duke University, by the way. Okay. Uh, so it's out there, and we'll put a link to it. Um, and the methodology that they used was they kind of created three top-level categories, right? Uh-huh. Uh, one is environmental quality. Um, and that talks about things such as, um, you know, water purification systems for the cities and the towns and the communities, mm-hmm. uh, air quality, the quality of the water itself, the quality of the soil. You know, if you don't have good quality soil, you, know, you can't really grow your own food. Mm-hmm. Um, energy efficiency scores overall, you know, just how, how are buildings constructed to conserve energy? What are they doing with, you know, building of new housing developments and homes and things of that nature? So kind of this first bucket was called environmental quality and those things feed into that okay second bucket was eco-friendly behaviors and these are getting more into green buildings and what's actually you know being done from a planning perspective around that okay uh looking at the total capacity of solar uh pv systems that are installed per household per building etc um how much energy consumption is coming from renewable sources mm-hmm. as opposed to you know non-renewable sources? Energy consumption per capita, gasoline consumption, water consumption. So this is kind of the consumption side of the equation. So before you get uh, give us the the results of that, well, there's a third bucket. Oh, I'm sorry. So that's, I'm sorry. that's keep, bucket keep number two. Okay, my apologies. And then bucket number three is climate change contribution. Okay, that's right. So that's, that's stuff right. like carbon dioxide emissions per capita methane emissions per capita, nitrous oxide emissions per capita, and then just greenhouse gas emissions overall. So these three buckets were uh, kind of equally weighted. Okay. So you for got, this study. So the so the so the three buckets are environmental qualities, eco-friendly behaviors and climate change contributions. Mm-hmm. So of of kind of all our mythical topics that we've talked about about being the prototypical Texan is kind of opposite of this right in that you know we think of the cowboy driving a diesel giant diesel truck you know with air conditioner on supermax and you know not being typically ter- terribly worried about the climate if you apply this kind of model to it that's how it shakes out right? right but if you think about it in a broader sense right is the cowboy driving the truck with a diesel engine what is he also doing right he's probably got acres and acres of grass that's right you know, so and you that grass think- is converting carbon dioxide into oxygen. Yeah. You know, he's raising cattle in a very humane way that's then, you know, could be, you know, grass fed, sold to local farmers markets, for example. Right. right. So if you kind of think of it, you know, so I think some of these studies, sometimes the methodologies are really focused on, you know, really the technical aspects and the technology and what are we doing to try to become more eco-friendly from a technology perspective. Right. But if you kind of step back and think about it, you know, it almost becomes kind of like a balance sheet, so to speak. Right. right. So I don't know. You know, those kind of other factors aren't necessarily baked in, you know, to these kinds of studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these are done around kind of urban areas. And what are the urban areas doing to try to become more sustainable and transportation right. and recycling and blah, 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 blah. So right. I don't know. You know, I kind of look at it uh, from a different, uh, a little bit different perspective. No, I but, think I think that balance scorecard approach is the right way to look at it from a kind of Texan perspective. Now, if you're in if you're in urban Houston or, or urban Dallas or something, it may be it may be different. But when we live kind of a little bit out, you know, in not necessarily rural areas but suburban areas, yeah, um, 
we we and certainly these farmers that we're talking about the stereotypes. So anyway, okay, well, well one thing, one one more point along yeah. this. I found a calculator uh, earlier today when I was looking, and it it allowed you to calculate how much co how many tons of CO two your house produces. Oh, and it had a little checklist, and you pretty much check everything because it's huh. like. Do you have air conditioning? Do you have a dishwasher? Yeah. Do you have a washing machine? Do you have a dryer? Do you right. have a TV? You know, it's just kind of everything. You end up all checking all, almost everything and then calculate. Right. And so everybody has that, okay. right? Whether you're living in an apartment in downtown Dallas or you're living out on a couple of acres like we are. Mm-hmm. So all the combination of that produces about 13 tons of CO2 oh my per year. Oh, wow. Right? So then what are you doing to offset that, right? Mm-hmm. Well... You know, a two acre, two and a half acre property with trees on it produces about, uh, according to that calculator, about five tons of hmm. oxygen. Okay. Right. So you could take the five tons off your balance sheet, right? Okay. So, but if you're living in an urban environment where right. you're producing the 13 tons, but maybe you're also in an apartment complex that's also producing 13 tons, you know, right. sometimes that stuff's not factored into these kind of models because it's more focused on how energy efficient is everything and. Are you recycling and blah, blah, blah. So just another kind of data point on the, on no, the balance sheet idea. No, that's good. All right. Well, so, so tell us kind of bottom line where Texas ranked on this study. Well, on this study, Texas ranked number 36 out of 50. 36. Mm. The top state was Vermont. Number two oh. was Mass. Number three was Oregon and Washington. Oregon, Washington, tons of uh, sustainability initiatives that are going out there. No, now. that's right. No. So what do they do in Vermont? Is everybody living in a tent and... I mean, what, what, how do you how do you do that? How do you, how do you become number one? I don't know. It's just when they run all the data through that methodology that describe that I described, they became number one. Oh, this darn. doesn't explain exactly how they. How I they see that, that. but their lowest their lowest ranking on all of those. Yeah, is it because it's a smaller? Yeah, different. I mean, maybe Vermont is a little more rural. I don't. Lifestyle. It is. It is. I don't. I've, I've never you know? met. I've never met one person from Vermont in all my travels. Never met one person. I actually met somebody from Delaware one time, and I was shocked. They were actually <laughs> from Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they were the person. They that, were that's it. the person from yeah, Delaware. I had them sign a dollar bill. Yeah. No, so, but, and I, I mean. they gave it away. These methodologies are valid. I'm not rocking the methodology at all. I think they are no, valid, I, and it's a very I, good way to look at it. It makes too. us think about how we're building buildings and how we're, you know, becoming more efficient with energy. Well, and it, it challenges us, too, because I think at the end of the day, I I don't think we want to leave this earth making it worse than when we came on it. You know, I don't think that's our desire, but I do think going back to just previous conversations where we are terribly selfish mm-hmm. and we want a comfortable lifestyle and we're all getting mushy and we sit around looking at screens all the time, mm-hmm. playing whatever. And it's not, you know, so that that's the danger is like, I want to make a more, you know, I want to contribute to sustainability and create less of a carbon footprint, but I certainly like all the pleasantries of life as it is right now in 2018. Sure. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So that's a dilemma, isn't it? Yeah. So because me living in a tent, you know, never seeing a plastic bottle in my life, that's not realistic. Right. right. I love air conditioning. It's awesome. It's 100 degrees here most you of You have the to time. have air conditioning here. Yeah. It's and, and really, hot. I think that's one reason why Texas ranks so low on a lot of these studies is because of all the... We use a ton of AC. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we just do. Yeah. It's on in the house. It's on in the car. It's all on the time. everywhere you go. Yeah. yeah. Nine months of the year, it's on. Yeah. 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 So that's so. a whole lot of energy. 
So 36. 36 out of 50. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, people may look at that, and if they're thinking about, uh, what was that, Andrew? I want to go back to the AC thing, but I had to take off my shoes. Because my feet were getting sweaty. Speaking of AC. Did you stick your feet in front of our air conditioner? I did, yeah. What that smell is? Step on a baby chick? It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. I was amazed whenever we visited uh, up north in the Pacific Northwest, just how little AC. Oh, yeah. It's not necessary. Like, like they just don't, like, places just are built without mm-hmm. AC. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. That would be nice. A lot of places yeah, in hot, open a window. A lot of places in Northern California are like that too. Yeah. Yeah. San Diego, Colorado, mm-hmm. a lot of that where it's just very temperate. Yeah. And and they're shocked when it gets up to in the high eighties or something and they're just dying. Yeah. Yeah, so. we can't do that whenever it's hot one day and the next day it's forty degrees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it well, has been the past few weeks. And up, right. out there it doesn't get, you know, hundred and ten degrees right. either. You know. Mm-mm. So no. Yeah. So okay. So is that the summary of your study? It is, and then it goes into some of the red state, blue state stuff, and you know, blue states are definitely much more, uh, according to this methodology, much more environmentally friendly than the red than the red states across the board. Okay, so we'll be we'll, we're red, and most of the southern states are probably red. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the red is basically the south, eco, you know, the south, un- and unfriendly. some of the Midwest. Yeah, basically. If you think about the election map, you know, the coasts are generally blue, right? And then the top of the Midwest is generally blue. Mm -hmm. And then pretty much everything else, you know, Colorado's blue now as well. Right. But most other states in between are red. But it's primarily the South is where the most of the population is. All right. Well, maybe we can, maybe we can start a revolution. Well, I think we are. I hope so. (laughs) Because I like this whole sustainability concept and I dig it. Well, and I think the point I was making before Andrew took his shoes off and smelled up the room was, <laughs> you know, part of the part of the reason for this podcast is to talk to people who are thinking of moving to Texas or yeah. maybe wanting to learn more about Texas. And this can be a, a deterrent, right? If I'm living, you know, somewhere and I look and I'm like, oh, man, you know, I care about the environment. I look at this kind of study. I'm like, I don't want to go live down there. You know, what, right. what are we doing? Right. So, right. So I think the point that we're making is you know, there's different ways to look at it and there's different ways to have, you know, Texas is a great place to have a more rural kind of lifestyle, you know, Mm -hmm. if you choose to kind of go down that path. No, that's right. And create a much more sustainable lifestyle, which is what basically our families have both done, right? That's right. We've moved out. We've got some acreage. We do our own eggs now. And, you know, you grow a good garden. Mm -hmm. I attempt to grow a good garden, generally fail miserably, but get a little bit of stuff here and there yeah but let, so let's get into that in just a second but I, I i tell you something else even more well very exciting as well is there are plenty of people like one of the fellows i used to work for um a real estate developer very very um proactive about the types of materials that he wanted to build with because he wanted to build more sustainable buildings you know and and be very cognizant of the energy consumption, the types of materials that he used to build, the types of um, um, lighting that was going to go in so that it required less energy, uh, the insulation, the solar uh, energy that could be generated out of that. Mm -hmm. And I just think there are more and more people that are thinking along those terms right now. As I was just looking through some, some websites on this, um, the University of Texas in Austin and Texas A&M University here in Texas are very, very active around sustainability offices, uh, training programs for students. And then each of the major cities has 
a sustainability office where they highlight some of the initiatives that they're oh, trying yeah. to go off on. Well, in Texas A&M, I know, and I'm, I would imagine that UT does this as well, but Texas A&M does like deep research on this. One of the articles I was reading today talked about these three female scientists that are actually based in Dallas. They work for Texas A&M and they're doing research specifically around sustainability. Oh. And it's not even the kind of research I expected as I started reading through it. It was stuff like, you know, genetic research on uh, grasses and how to turn on certain genes to make the grass even use water more efficiently so that as we lay out a landscape, it's, you know, literally creating a more efficient, plant system i'll be it's at that level of detail that some of the research is going on it's really kind of cool there's got to be stuff like that where i mean think about it if you can create a plant with more surface area that generates more photosynthesis that it basically eats more co2 and generates more oxygen i mean it's all basic physics Mm -hmm. (laughs) physics biology something like that (laughs) right so i don't know but I'm excited about it. So, um, well, the building thing too is important, right? And I think I think I think now, anytime a building is kind of specced or laid out, I mean, they're by default. I think they're unless they're just you know completely out, head in the sand. But I think right. most people are approaching it from a building more sustainable I, uh, I, buildings and campuses, and you know, even you know, hospitals and you know, that's right, shopping centers and everything is kind of you know gravitating towards this idea. The 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 problem that that I saw in that uh, when we were doing these projects is, even though there is a fifty or hundred year return on it, you know, the dilemma is you've got a uh, a five year return from an investment portfolio that mm-hmm. you've got to do, and so are you willing to invest a premium? in longer term beneficial products and lighting and higher cost things because you've got to have a return that's That's the biggest issue and that's the that's the same issue even if you take it down to um and and the numbers may have changed but i know you know years ago when the uh electric cars first or the hybrid cars started coming out yeah i mean i ran the numbers on I mean, because the cost of those things at the time were so much more expensive than Exorbit. a gas car. Yeah. I literally ran the numbers and I said, that didn't make any sense. No. I mean, no. the amount of gas that it's going to save yeah. is not going to pay. And those those numbers may be different now. I haven't looked at it in a few years. Right. But it, yeah, it's the same idea. It's kind of yeah. like you got to, we got to have the technology that, that becomes cost efficient enough to where then it becomes That's right. interesting from an ROI perspective in addition to... And, and how do you... You know, because you got to make business decisions in addition to, I know. I know. And how you do know, you, what's good for the world, right? That's the balance. That, that is a balance. And you've got to have people that will invest in that, even though they know there's a long-term ROI on it. And they're going to basically have a monopoly on certain products. But they've got to they've have a long 20-year view for mm-hmm. that, like Tesla or whatever. Yeah. You know, because you look at the battery-powered cars and the battery-powered everything over the fossil fuels... <clears throat> that was a bet a long time ago, mm-hmm. and it, it's coming to fruition on on that, and then a lot of other technologies. Yeah. So, but getting back to just kind of the the farm living, and um, and granted, Kevin and I are not farmers. You know, a true farmer, somebody's got acres and acres, and they're planting you know vegetables and things of that nature. But what we do is we have you know these suburban, almost rural, you know, small acreage places, and and I consider myself kind of in the middle um, on the continuum 
I think you're a little bit further over on one side where, you know, you're doing some things, I'm doing maybe a little bit more, but there are people that are way oh, over yeah. on the other way side that I kind of call the militia people almost, you know, where they've got the compound kind of off the grid and, and, and we're nowhere near that. Now, think about it a hundred years ago though, you know, if people back in the depression, my grandmother, for example, my grandparents lived through the depression up in South central Oklahoma and, um, they lived off the land and mm -hmm. they, <clears throat> they would dig a well, they would have, um, animals that they would get, you know, dairy products or eggs or cheese or whatever out of as well as meat. Uh, and then they would have, you know, these phenomenal gardens and, and, and they would have giant patches of where they truly farmed, mm -hmm. um, and then pecan trees and whatever else. I mean, they, they would generate whatever they needed to. Uh, just off the land, they'd go catch fish. They do. They'd hunt. They do whatever, and that's what they, how they survive. And then they'd figure out how to pickle it or dry it or. Whatever. I was gonna say, yeah, you, they would store it, right? And, would, and you would eat what was in. You knew what was in season based right. on where you lived, and and your diet was based on that, which is a much more healthy. That's right. Way of and, and there was no eating. Yeah. So I think salt. You'd salt your pork or whatever. I have no idea how to do any of that, but it there was natural ways to preserve your food so that you could keep it over the winter mm -hmm. or over the summer and it wouldn't spoil mm -hmm. um which is pretty phenomenal canning freezing pickling yeah, one of the of favorite things i used to eat at my grandma my uh granny holder they always had tons of peaches every year yeah and she would slice them all up put sugar on them put them back and freeze them right and so her freezer was always jam-packed full of these frozen peaches and so one of the favorite things to eat was literally eat them while they're frozen because oh, it was yeah. incredibly hot. They had the world's worst air conditioner. It was just yeah. like these water cooler yeah. AC, and we would just sit there and eat those frozen peaches, and they were phenomenal, oh, man. Phenomenal. One of my favorite childhood memories, eating yeah. those frozen peaches. Oh, my gosh. That makes me All the time. just think about it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think I'm kind of in the middle of that right now. I, I don't think Amy and I are at anywhere near where we're – you know, able to just kind of slip off the grid no, by any means, no you way. know, yeah. we, we love all of our pleasantries of air conditioning and, you know, all that, but you know, we've got some things and I, I like that. I like my garden. I like my bees. I like our chickens. I like all that. Um, well, even the horses, you know, you don't, people don't think about horses as helping with that, but they really do. Right. Cause right. those horses keep this property, you know, pretty much pristine Right. I have to take care of the front area that's not fenced, but they keep it pristine without any requiring any gasoline to go mow that or do anything oh, with it. Oh, no, no. You know, they keep that and then they fertilize it. Oh, yes. One of the biggest freakouts I had when I moved in here was, you know, we just kind of jumped in. Sometimes I do that, just kind of jump in head first on things. But No, I've never seen that before. Never seen me do that, mm, huh? Yeah. No, no. Anyway, I started researching, you know, how do I maintain this little little property here with these horses and I looked up and I found out that a horse produces 30 pounds of manure every day. Oh yeah. <laughs> At least. <laughs> At least. On average. I was like 30 pounds of manure and then I got two. Yeah. So I got 60 pounds of manure raining oh, down on my little two acre <laughs> property every day. How am I going to mess freaking out? Yeah. <laughs> I was freaking out. Yeah. But then I learned it actually kind of compost real easy and you just kind of drag it and it yeah. kind of fertilizes and everything's 
kind of cool. Oh, no, it's very cool. But if you think about the little ecosystem that you got, you know, like at your place, you got the horses taking care of stuff. You got the donkeys. You got yeah. the chick- chickens are taking care of weeds and eating bugs and giving that, you eggs. That's and right. Then you got your bees that are kind of pollinating everything and giving you honey. And it's kind of this cool little... It is. Eco- and then you got your own water treatment system, a.k.a. the septic system that you got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do so we that do. recycles all your personal waste into your own uh, little uh, That's right. And then garden we, area. Yeah, so I stopped eating your vegetables a while back. I started thinking about <laughs> it. And if you want to take it a step further, you could do solar power. Well, I, I do think about that. <clears throat> I, I, like, I like all those ideas about how to create through you know wind energy or sun Mm -hmm. energy or geothermal or whatever i mean i love all that but again it's the investment of like okay i'm gonna pay that's where it starts to hit the wall Mm -hmm. i'm gonna pay this many dollars to my power company for power or i'm gonna pay thousands of dollars to put x number of solar panels which can be an eyesore oh yeah on a very small place like i have so Elon Musk, who seems to be sort of the king of this kind of stuff, just in, you know, just talking about like energy and whatnot. Yes. He has been developing, I'm not, I'm not sure if they're available or not, but he, he has like, what he does a lot of times is he like comes up with these ideas and he's like, hey, like somebody take this and create it. Mm -hmm. And one of those things is, these solar panels that um, they are stronger than regular shingles and they just look like regular roofing shingles. Oh, wow. Is that it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Kevin's showing me a picture it of it right now. It's called the Tesla Solar Roof. <clears throat> so is it yeah. available? I don't know. I haven't, I don't think it's quite available. I was trying yet, to pull but, it up, but my. But the prototypes look, see, like there's one that looks, if you watch the things roll by, there's kind of your traditional shingles. And then there's one that looks like the uh, ceramic style. Oh, yeah. That's more of a modern look. So, see, I think all and this. Then that I'm, one. See, that's oh, solar panels. Well, that's actually really pretty. Yeah. They, they, it just looks like a normal roof. It's like a normal roof. Oh, yeah, so it's I, Tesla.com. I think, I think all this stuff. So, once that becomes, like, cost effective. Then everybody will have them. Then you'll have it. And um, i tell you what. I just, They're only <laughs> available for reservation <clears throat> right now. For, for uh, you remember our Mexico episode? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I listen to this guy who uh, does a he does a twice a week podcast. He's the uh, let's see uh, uh, expat uh, living south of the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy is phenomenal. Anyway, he talks about how to live south of the border. He's in I believe uh, Venezuela. <clears throat> about really kind of off the grid where it's solar and you're off the power grid because the power grid is so unstable mm-hmm. that you really need that right. as a sustainable way. So I think all this is is coming where mm-hmm. it really will be affordable mm-hmm. and there's no real decision to be made about, wow, I've got to spend X thousands of dollars on all these solar panels to get to that. So. I think it's a matter of time where mm-hmm. we're going to have all kinds of options, whether it's through wind, geothermal, uh, solar, or, or other maybe other means that we hadn't even thought about yet. Have you driven out west recently and seen all the windmills that are out there? Oh, yeah. It's they crazy. They, they, freak, they freak me out. Yeah. There's a little bit of vertigo. One time, I, Amy and I were going from uh, Los Angeles to Palm Springs. You ever, have you ever made that drive through, no. that, through that valley? No. It's like this massive wind farm through mm-hmm. there for miles and miles and miles. And I remember driving, and she was 
I don't know, looking at a magazine or something while we're driving to this resort thing. We were going for a long weekend. And I, I almost puked while I was driving because it was they were all going this way. And one of, one of them out of was thousands going was way. going the other way. And it about my feng shui was off. I was gone. I just was about to just vomit all over uh-huh. her. So that was in California. That was in California. No, I was talking about here. Oh, no, no, no. They're like everywhere west of here. Fort Worth here. Oh, going out to Abilene, they're everywhere. Oh, yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah, there's thousands of it them just, now. Yeah. I don't know what they crazy. do. I, I guess they harness the wind and channel energy. It's supplying electricity to somewhere, somehow. To somebody's farmhouse. I have no idea. I don't know. But they're huge. They're massive. There's miles of them. Yeah, and if you see them driving along the, the freeway, because you'll see the blade, and, and it's so long that it takes this massive double semi to get them on the freeway. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. No. It's pretty phenomenal. No. That sounds cool, though. It is cool. And you see a whole convoy of them going somewhere. You know, they're putting uh, sensors on that. I can't remember if we've talked about Internet of Things in one of these episodes or not. But you know what the Internet of Things is? Hmm. It's basically all these devices now, like you know, your refrigerator, your washing machine, you know. And, and in the industrial side, it's light on bulbs. like... Yeah, or light bulbs or whatever. But in, in the industrial world, they're putting sensors on things like, you know, jet engines and... Oh, yeah. You know, and, and in the industrial world, it's to, you know, monitor these things constantly and you're getting a constant feed of data and you can oh. look for anomalies and you can identify. So they've got these things on windmills now where they can identify using algorithms to understand when they fail, when they have failed in the past, oh. what were the preconditions that led up to it so they can oh. identify when those are happening and then go in and fix it before the thing fails. Because if oh, it fails, okay. it's super expensive, as you just described, bringing something out. To fix that. Oh, wow. So those things are pretty sophisticated from a technology perspective. Is Literally, that- real-time data feeds <clears throat> coming in and analytics going on in the background to try to monitor those things and make it's, sure that they stay on. It kind of reminds me of, you know, the Terminator theme, you know, where the grid takes, takes over and stuff. <laughs> anyway. But then know. if you think about all the energy required to suck that data into a data center, probably an Amazon Web Services cloud somewhere, and then do all the analytics on it. Are they really offsetting what they're, you know, who knows? Right. It goes back to blockchain. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But but back to back to just my simple little place. I, I do take take uh, pride in, in trying to learn and grow. So, Andrew, as you, as you challenge this on trying to kind of take it to the next step, I think, you know, um, we burn stuff, we recycle stuff, we compost. Well, actually, Kathy and Patrick compost. I don't compost, but they grew that uh, <laughs> like a pumpkin plant out of there last year. Yeah, Something I heard crazy. about that. I heard the legend of the yeah. pumpkin plant. And then, hey, I just got uh, I just got a, uh, a two fruit trees yesterday. Oh, really? What'd you get? I got a, lime, a grafted lime and a grafted lemon. Well, that's cool. And you cool. had to buy grafted so that they could handle uh, harsher conditions. Yeah. Because if you just got the regular Mexican lime or whatever tree it was, it couldn't handle that. Now, how long will it be before they start giving you fruit? It could possibly be this year. They're really? a little bitty. They're about a foot and a half tall. And But they'll already give yeah. you fruit that small. Yeah. I didn't. No, I thought they had to be mature no, and all that. No, they're kind of uh, like pygmy bushes. Huh. So I actually put them in the center of my garden just for fun. Well, that's cool. So margaritas at your place then, right? Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I... S- kind of kick myself sometimes for cutting down those peach trees and pear trees that yeah. I had. I'm not going to say I told you yeah. so. You told no, me so. I'm never going to say that. Yeah, the other thing they, that... Did those <clears throat> produce fruit? Oh, yeah. Tons. No, they were fruit. Oh, tons. I didn't Fruit know that. producing suckers. But when we opened up the front, that 
when we fenced off that front area for the horses, originally that wasn't fenced off. Right. Then we added that. That's when I took those out because the horses would be eating, you know, all but that stuff and probably colicking I, all day. I would never tell you <laughs> not to do something. But anyway. No, you did. <laughs> but there, but there, there are a couple of th- other things that I think kind of, you know, sustainability things that we can do here. And a lot of that is kind of the water catchment through the rainwater, mm-hmm. you know, preservation. I think there's some... Um, um, Oh, I just lost it. You know, using the rainwater system to water the garden would be a killer way to do it. Well, there's tons of people to do that. Yeah. And, and you you can collect it in these vats and you get it off the roof and funnel yeah. it into just big barrels and then you water off that. You ought to do that. <clears throat> you totally ought to do that. I, I think it's one of my next projects. <laughs> I can build it out of pallets. And then, um, huh. and then I wish my family liked fish more because I love the concept of hydroponics or aquaponics. And there's a lot of people out here that mm-hmm. do that, you know, where they have the giant vats of the tilapia fish and they're feeding and then you have the you know the plants your garden based plants on top of the water and it's fueling the fish mm-hmm. and then they're in turn fertilizing the plants above that's it. cool oh it's that's awesome. cool i love that stuff. have you seen the micro greens <clears throat> no the micro gardens no oh yeah you can grow there's people that will grow a little tiny uh, they're literally micro greens, like little you know sprouts and all kinds of stuff. But they're kind of bred to be very nutritionally oh. dense and stuff. Oh yeah, and yeah. super healthy for you. Well, so that's another kind of one of these up and coming hip kind of gardening techniques. Well, yeah. Speaking of the hip, you know, going back to the millennial man buns who don't have any money or any place to do this, there was another article that I read about this, and it was talking about how basically with no space and no money. You're basically going and you get a salad and you're keeping all the seeds out of the stuff and you're growing it there in your own apartment or whatever mm-hmm. in a very, very urban setting. Yeah. And it's amazing what you can grow. I've seen some uh, folks that take those uh, ship old shipping containers. Oh, yeah. You know, like those big containers that were up on that hill that we used to ride our bikes oh, yeah. around? Yeah, yeah. They'll take one of those big things and like convert it into like a garden area oh that would be cool inside now yeah yeah that would be cool and then the whole tiny house thing you've seen the tiny house i like that that's kind of a sustainability thing too right yeah i've got a i've got a friend that's moving into her van oh yeah okay down by the river yeah that van's name's gerald gerald (laughs) it is gerald great name That's great. This is a great name for a van. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's building that thing out. It's going to be cool. It's a big, juicy van. No, oh my. Not for sale, though. Well, I... But you know the real reason why we need to uh, get into all this? Because I was watching Steve Martin this week. I was watching an old clip from Steve Martin this week. Which, which movie? The Jerk? It wasn't a movie. It was one of his stand-up routines. Oh, no. And he was like, you ever wonder where all the farts go? <laughs> I never wonder that. <laughs> he said they go up to an area called the fart zone. <laughs> what? He said the fart zone is right above the ozone layer, which is why it's so important for us to protect the ozone layer. Oh my <laughs> Otherwise, all the farts will fall back down, not necessarily on the person that created them. <laughs> so that's what this whole sustainability thing is all about. Kyle. Okay. It's protecting it's us from the fart zone layer. Protecting the ozone layer. <laughs> the fart zone layer. It's so bad. <laughs> Well, I, I do, I do, I am intrigued by this, and I told Andrew that if I was a young 
young man that I would be a sustainability expert because that's what everybody wants to to go for right now. It's the cool, sexy things. It's too late, the, man. You can do it. No, I'm telling you. You can do it. Can I, do I, it. There's, there's it's not too late for you, Kyle. A ton of careers to be made. <laughs> grow, just, grow a man bun and you'll be the next Elon Musk. Am I a platinum man, man bun? <laughs> yes. <laughs> platinum man bun. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's wisdom. So. <laughs> I don't think so. People will respect so. you. All right. Well, hey, Kevin, I appreciate it. And Andrew, thanks uh, a lot for uh, visiting with me about sustainability. I think there's a lot here. And so, um, and I, I think we've got a long journey ahead of us. But, you know, when we look at kind of our forefathers, you know, they lived off the land. And I don't think I don't think we're not above doing that as well. I, I agree. We can do it. Yep. So, Good stuff. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Look us up on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play. Leave us a review. Uh, Adios. Adios. That is not annoying at all, everybody. Hey, we got baby chicks on. Cut. (laughs) What? Just do your regular intro. (laughs) Hey, we got baby chicks as a guest host today. (laughs) What do you think, baby chicken? (laughs) What do you think about sustainability, you cute little chicken? Just do your regular intro, and then we'll get into all this crap. But... That's not annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. All right. We rolling yet? Yeah. Are we still rolling? Yeah.